You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1,248, and this is interview number 1,561. We've been on the air since March of 2009. We're the longest-running business podcast emanating from beautiful Orange County, California, in the studios of octalkradio.net. Having a modern approach to HR is so important to attract and keep talented employees within your firm. Modern HR focuses on growing revenue and creating a place where employees love to come to work. Log Labs helps business modernize their HR practices to bring out the best of the business and attract the highest level of talent. That's why I've invited Anisha Despande to join me today to talk about her firm. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcasts or the CEO peer groups we lead, visit our company's website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Anisha, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thanks, Rick. It's great to be here. Let's let's talk about your firm. What what do you do? I said a little bit in the open, but be more specific, sure. maybe. And also, what makes your firm unique from others in your industry, in the minds of your clients and your prospects? Well, let me start with our tagline, which is "HR sucks, but it doesn't have to." So I I get that most employees and business leaders simply don't like to deal with HR folks. And I'm really passionate about changing that. And so specifically, I'm on a mission to modernize HR and take it from this obligatory cost center, which focuses on compliance, to a revenue enabler of the business that creates a place, like you said, where employees love to come to work. Now, as a former HR exec of a Fortune 500, I understand what business leaders are going through, from losing key people to competitors to the anxiety that comes from not knowing if your team can deliver to your customers. So after overseeing the hiring of over 20,000 people in 150 countries annually and leading internal talent initiatives that really drove business outcomes, I decided to launch my own firm to combine my experience in finance, IT, and strategy to really help businesses develop the teams that they need to achieve their goals. And I do that by providing fractional chief people officer services. This means that I come into companies and I understand their business goals and strategy first. I then design and help implement the right people strategy and practices that are going to drive those business outcomes and create a unique employee experience. Now, by fractionalizing the service, companies get just the help they need, and I can work with multiple clients at once. And a very specific example of modern HR, I was brought into a family-owned medical device company that was purchased by private equity. The investors wanted to rapidly grow at 20% a year. I help them design a leadership structure, sales territories, a sales incentive plan, and a culture that was aligned to achieve that growth. And these efforts were really a key reason why they were able to hit that 20% goal in the first year. Anisha, are you really saying that well-thought-out modern HR practices can actually contribute to the top and bottom line of a company? I am actually saying that. Okay. And we have done it many times. Okay. So um, what niches are you focused on? You know, as entrepreneurs, we can't boil the ocean, so we've got to focus on a specific either industry or customer size or a psychographic. So tell our audience a little bit more from an entrepreneur's perspective. Where are you focusing your firm? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think the most successful niche is the middle market and emerging growth investor-backed firms. So for the middle market, it tends to be anywhere from 50 to 5,000 employees or 20 million to 1 billion in revenue. 
for emerging growth, it's really anything in the private equity space. And if it's venture capital backed, it tends to be a Series B or later round. Um, I service clients globally, but I'm based in Southern California. I'm industry agnostic, but companies that have a strategic imperative to change or grow are usually the ones that benefit the most from my services. Is there something about the leadership team that tells you this is a company, Anisha, that you can work with? Or, you know, can you, can you give us some sense for what type of leaders are embracing Log Lab and working with you? You know, these are leaders that are very open-minded. They understand that HR plays a different role. They're open to new ideas. And I think one of the things that I've noticed is all of them understand how modern technology works and their reputation out in the in the market. So not just the customer reputation, but sites like Glassdoor and what, what people are saying and how important it is to manage that so that they can manage the talent reputation that they have but also take those actions and create the culture that they, that they really need to be successful in, in, the, um, in the business world. So I think a lot of it is that open-mindedness about trying new ideas and, and, being, and understanding that HR is something that can really be a competitive advantage at your company. It, it's interesting because helping a business owner or CEO of a 50-person company, that's, that's one challenge. But ha- helping a leader who's maybe got a 1,000 or several thousand, 5,000 employees, that's a, that's a very different challenge. While there's more leverage, right, in getting the 5,000 people all on the same page and, and embracing the culture and kind of doing that, it, it, it feels like to me there's a lot heavier lifting maybe that's required when you have that many employees versus maybe an organization with 50 or 100. Is, is that, has that been your experience or, or am I off base with that? No, that's totally true, right? These these um, engagements can differ, and it also depends on if the company has HR um, within their company. So if they have an HR team, but they're more tactically focused, sometimes they just need some help bringing in some more creative ideas around how HR can differentiate itself, and that's where I, I sometimes come in and play a role at the larger companies, bridging that gap between you know, tactical HR and what, what the CEO is trying to do or finding a common language for HR and the CEO to, uh, to speak to to really make sure that or, or to share so that they can communicate effectively and get things done. So I often serve as that bridge between HR and the CEO as well for the larger companies. So I heard you earlier in the interview talk about maybe latest technology and certainly there are tools like Glassdoor on the outside that, you know, companies have to be cognizant about. But uh, are you finding that there are technologies uh, applicable to internal HR practices that you're helping to bring into your clients regardless of their size? Yeah, I mean, things are changing so rapidly in the techno- in the HR technology space, whether it's artificial intelligence from a recruiting standpoint or um, another thing that we're finding is artificial intelligence in terms of, of employee engagement, so Mm. tools that actually can track how employees are feeling on a day-to-day basis, use the analytics to give us some insight as to trends, and also how they may be reacting to certain changes in the environment. So let's say you have an all-hands meeting, and you have these chatbots that are going out to your employees, engaging them in conversations. You may understand what the feedback is from your all-hands meetings, and maybe there's some follow-up messages that need to happen as a result of this. So with analytics, artificial intelligence, it's really shaping the way that we get information about our employees and, and how we can react and respond to those in a more effective way. We're talking with Changing an- the 
Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's changing the mindset of these annual employee engagement surveys that you often see that are big lists for companies to do when you can continuously monitor engagement. Are, are these tools only for your larger clients, or are they also available to the lower end of the middle market? You know, they're, they're available to the lower end of the middle market. We're finding more and more folks, and, and some of these technologies are so new that they're looking to pilot, and sometimes they like to pilot with smaller companies to get a first idea as to how the product is working. So this, cheaper too. this works perfectly with your open-minded CEO leadership team that's looking to try new things and mix it up, and then maybe there's a supplier who's looking for clients who are willing to give their new technology. A, I mean, it sounds like you... You're a perfect matchmaker sometimes between the the goals of the supply ba- the suppliers and the clients that you have as well. Absolutely. So uh, let's look back in your career. I love to ask guests here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast if you could think about a time in your career when you failed at something that was at the time very important to you. And and if you have an episode like that in your career, if you could. Briefly explain the circumstance of the event, but also then share with our audience the lesson that you learned from that experience. That would be really helpful. Sure. Um, So years ago, I was working for a company that wanted to double its revenue organically in five years. Now, the company was facing some leadership shortages, and there was little talent that we could draw upon from the external market. So we designed a leadership development program that would take about 20 of our high potential employees and help prepare them for top 10 roles at the company. Now, while the business execs loved the program design, we were struggling to get them to fund it. And over a period of time, I repeatedly presented to the CEO to get funding for the program, and every single time he said no. So as you can imagine, I was pretty frustrated. It just felt like a no-brainer to fund this, and I couldn't figure out why I was failing and I really started to feel that we were going to miss our goals because we hadn't, we, we weren't getting ahead of the people challenge that, um, that, to, to double our revenue. So I finally realized that while we had put together this business case and we did the right things in terms of how to think about it, we hadn't communicated the impact or the return we were going to get in the language of the business. So I was talking and even showing the impact using HR language instead of framing this into something that was important to the business leaders. So the the simple but powerful lesson I learned from this was the importance of communicating in the language of the business and connecting your message to something top of mind for the leader. You know, everyone at a leadership table needs to use common language to communicate effectively. And I, I referenced this earlier when I was talking about how I sometimes bridge that gap between HR teams and the CEO to find that common language. But this really goes for whether you work in finance, legal, or IT. You have to strive to communicate simply in business terms so everyone can understand the impact of what you're, you're trying to get across and apply it in their own world. And, you know, just another quick example of this, I often talk to business leaders and they tell me they're concerned about not having the right skills and leadership to drive business growth. And they talk about these challenges in the context of things like revenue growth, profitability, new products, and new markets that they want to penetrate. And when HR leaders of these organizations echo the executive's concerns, they talk about the same challenges, but they use terms like talent reviews, leadership development, competency models, and assessments. They never use those business terms. That's such a clear disconnect. But um, I find that the moment that I use that business language, I definitely get the attention of the executives right away. I have to say that is an excellent, 
uh, case study because as you were explaining it, I'm thinking that's exactly the language you're using as you as you're building and scaling Log Lab. You're you're talking in terms of business impacts of what you can do for your clients through modernizing their HR. That's right. So you, you've carried that lesson into the almost a foundational principle for, if I may say, it sounds like from to me, a foundational it, principle for how you position your firm. It is one of the foundational principles. I never have a talk with CEOs about HR stuff. We are always trying, we are always talking in the language of the business. Got and, it. And that, that's very helpful. I think that's, you know, here on the radio show, we like to use the gong to let our audience know there are transferable learnings in the interview. And, uh, when they hear the gong sound, as you just did, our loyal audience knows that there was just a conversation that was had that maybe you're partially listening to the podcast because I know you're doing other things. You may want to go back about three minutes and pick up the conversation that Anish and I just had. Uh, and so I, I really appreciate you bringing that forward and sharing your insights about a career failure that actually turned into a very powerful positive. So thank you. We have a few minutes left here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast, and i got a few more questions I want to get through. You know, my third book was on unintended consequences, so I have to ask each guest when it's appropriate. If you can think about a strategic decision you made that had an outcome that was different than what you or the team had intended, and could you maybe share that experience of an unintended consequence for a strategic decision? Yeah, sure. So early in my career, I worked for a consulting company, and our model was to develop a custom engagement for each client. And I adopted that same model when I started my own firm, and I found that my sales process was completely inefficient and also ineffective, as it took so much time for CEOs to understand the best way to leverage my expertise. So um, I decided to create some productized service offerings to help it make it easier for CEOs to buy my services based on the level of help that they needed and reduce the risk of bringing in a consultant. In addition, I thought this would you know, greatly reduce my sales effort and help me have much more directed conversations with prospects. So one unintended but very positive consequence is the model has morphed into a chief people officer subscription model that can be used by any CEO, whether he needs a little strategic supplement to his HR team or a full HR strategy. And it's also started to create more consistent revenue streams for me, which is sometimes difficult in a professional services firm. So I'm really excited to see how this continues to evolve. That's excellent. And um, I'm wondering if you might think about your core philosophy. You know, I call this our guiding principle question here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. It was the foundation. This question is the foundation of my second book, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles, which I give a talk on, but that's not here nor there. It's about you. Can you share your core philosophy that you're using to build the culture of your company and sort of the reputation and brand that you have for Log Lab in the industry? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, when I sat down to work on my core values, I thought about all the companies, organizations, and even individuals that I interact with that leave me with the best feelings. And I really tried to hone in on what made those interactions special. Like things like, you know, I'm always excited to go to Trader Joe's. I know exactly what I'm going to get and also not get at Trader Joe's. And that's, you know, they don't have a massive product selection. It's full of friendly faces who are empowered to provide a great experience. And there's always help if I need to, to find something. And when you think about that experience and you think about something like calling the cable company, you know, when I call the cable company, I know I'm always going to be bummed after calling the cable mm. company, right? It's two hours on the phone because they're not clear, nor are they empowered to really provide a great experience. And so I came up with this 
core philosophy of it's about doing what I say and also being clear about what I don't do. So it's not that I won't make exceptions or throw in something extra when a client needs it, but it's also about knowing when you're not the best person to get something done and being upfront and helping them find the right resource to do this. So to me, this is really what makes an outstanding experience. No client is expecting you to provide it all, and all of my clients appreciate it when they come to me with something and I tell them it's not my expertise, but I help them find someone that can do that really well for them, and they're always delighted with the results. And this you know, really goes for the internal culture of the company as well. Most companies tend to get in trouble when they over-promise and under-deliver. So you know, our goal is to be really clear about who we are and who we aren't, um, another great example of that is early on, Netflix was really clear with its new hires that would only provide on-the-job training, nothing else. And so job candidates knew that going in and could make a decision as to whether they wanted to work there or not. Well, that, that's really critical because, you know, what you just said about the experience of uh, shopping at Trader Joe's and dealing with your cable company, I, I find, and, and I talk with my clients, that your brand is really the personal relationship that your clients or prospects have with your company. It is not what you say on your website. It's not your marketing material. It's not even what you talk about in the C-suite because their direct experience with your brand trumps anything else you're going to say because at the end of the day, that's their experience which carries the most amount of weight. And so understanding what that relationship is at the point of customer contact to your brand, you know, a touch point, is so critical because your brand may be completely different than what you had intended. But an organization like Trader Joe's really understands that, and they hire the people who can model the brand's culture to the people and the customers when they come in, don't they? They absolutely do. And if you look at their job descriptions, how simply they're written and, and how how they carry that tone of how you feel walking into a Trader Joe's to even how they write their job descriptions, you can see how they've achieved that consistency. There's a there's a big brand here in Southern California by the name of In N Out Burger. And when I think of Trader Joe's, I also think of the hiring practices of In N Out Burger because they have a very strong brand and it is reinforced every time you either drive through or you go in and you place an order, isn't it? It is. And, One and, of my favorite places. Right. And, and if they didn't hire people to live the brand, they would, in my opinion, neither one of those two, Trader Joe's or In-N-Out Burger, wouldn't nearly be the market force that they've become over the time. It's really the employees that deliver that brand promise to the clients and to the customers that has, I think, put them where they are on the map, respectively. Absolutely. All right, final question for you, my friend. I'm going to have you back on the show at some point in the future, maybe a year, three or five years. What are you going to be doing? What's going to be different? Where are you taking your firm? Well, like, like I said earlier, you know, I'm, I, I'm really passionate and on this mission to modernize HR. So in addition to partnering with CEOs and business executives to provide consulting services, I'm also launching practical online content to help HR professionals develop modern HR skill sets. And my hope is that over the next several years, we can ignite a grassroots movement which upskills the function as a whole. And by attacking the challenge from both sides, right, the companies one at a time and then mass, mass um, upskilling the HR professionals, I think we have a chance to make the much-needed rapid change in this space in a really short time. So just an example, I have some online content available today in HR Strategy Boot Camp, which is a series of videos that guides HR professionals through developing their own modern HR strategy based on their business goals. 
And at the end of the course, HR professionals have a draft strategy that's ready to review with their leaders. Now, this course is available on Udemy right now, but soon it's going to be available on my website also. So our long-term goal is to be known as the pioneer of modern HR. And I hope the next time I visit you, we've made a much bigger impact with a thriving online content business full of relevant and useful content, as well as expanding our consulting reach, and that we're recognized in HR circles as a pioneer. I loved having you on the program, Anisha, because you modeled the behavior of having a clear vision of being able to articulate it, to turning the terms like core values into actually something that's tangible, meaningful, and impactful. And so I think just by listening to you, hopefully our audience have picked up kind of best traits just from listening and observing how you use them to describe and impact your firm. If someone would like to learn more about Log Lab, how do they find you online, my friend? Yes, so we have a website, www.thelognet. T-H-E-L-O-G-L-A-B.net. We've also got a blog and some free resources and content available there. Um, you can get in touch with me there. You can also follow Log Lab on Facebook, LinkedIn, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. And my Twitter handle is Anissa D, A-N-N-I-S-S-A-D, and you can connect with me directly on LinkedIn as well. Thank you uh, for being a part of the Critical Mass community. You're one of our faculty members as well as a great guest on the radio show, uh, I want to just to tell you how much I appreciate the time you spent with us here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you, Rick. Have a good day. You too. I'd also like to thank our engineer, none other than Mr. Paul Roberts, and our three producers without whom we could not do this show each and every week. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and our newest producer, Vanessa Holland. If you'd like to connect with me, I'd say let's start on LinkedIn. I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. And until the next show... I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.